Well, let's get right into it today. We're going to open our Bibles to a very awkward place in Scripture for the birth of Christ. So let me start out by saying Jesus Christ is our Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Amen? And Jesus Christ is our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. Jesus is God. The Bible says He is, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, when He came to earth, God was demonstrating that He is coming to dwell among men. God is coming incarnate. I told you when I was a kid, I didn't know what that word meant. Incarnate simply means with skin on. Uh, He came with skin on and lived among us. The Bible says he was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. Um, All these things, but he never sinned because, you know why? Because he's God and God cannot sin. So don't ever play coffee games with somebody saying, what if, what if, what if. Just end it and say, what if an airliner crashed into the building and killed us all right now? Uh, we wouldn't have this discussion. So just stop the what is because what is is what you need to ask in the Bible. What is in the Bible? And you're going to find out as we talk about Joseph this morning, he always gets kind of relegated to the sidelines. And as I was studying the passage of Scripture, re- uh, thinking of knowing that it was Christmas Day, knowing that we celebrate the birth of Christ, started thinking about old Joseph and thinking about what he was like as a young boy. And that the Bible tells his lineage there in Matthew 1. His father was Jacob. You see what that actually, he's, he's of the lineage of King David, so he was in royalty. Imagine his mom or dad would tell him that when he was young, and he would think, what if, what if I'm going to be raised up to be king of all of Israel? Can you imagine the imagination boys have sometimes? Now, if you have a boy, or you are one, or was one, now a young man or older man, there's a creative imagination God's given boys because we can take any stick, no matter what you do, in our school, our Christian academy, the boys will walk out there on the playground play with a ball, they'll put a ball for a moment, and then they'll grab grab sticks, and they'll either be sword fighting, or they'll be shooting each other in just a a short moment, right? And if you take their sticks away, they'll take their finger like this, and they'll go out and play uh, different games with the gun games, they'll they'll wrestle, they'll drag each other down the hill. Boys are just different. So I think about Joseph, when he was there as a little boy growing up, did he ever think that maybe he would be the father, the earthly father, knowing that he didn't father him physically or biologically, but he would be the earthly father of the Messiah, his Savior and Lord. He knew he was coming because his daddy taught him. His daddy taught him the law. We know that because we're going to see in Scripture today that Joseph knew the law. Joseph obeyed the law. So as we look into the Scriptures, I want to go to Luke chapter 4. And how do we actually want Luke 4? Because I want to show you a scenario when Jesus was older and then what the people recognized him as, the people of Nazareth. And then we're going to go back and look at the birth of Jesus. We'll go back and look at Joseph's Raising Jesus as his son. So if you would, go with me to Luke chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 14. Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness. Satan has tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. And now Jesus is coming out of that. And the Bible says in verse 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all of the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So when they heard him speak, they're like, this man has something to say. Why did Jesus have something to say? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was inside of him, even though he was God. We see two parts of the Trinity, our Trinitarian God here. God the Father in heaven, God the Son here on earth, and then God the Holy Spirit filling him to speak the oracles and the wisdom of God. And what happened, the people actually started to, he was glorified by all. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth. What do we know about Nazareth? 
This is old, this is hometown. This is a stomping ground. His daddy was either a carpenter or a metal worker. His dad Joseph was employed somehow using his hands, and he was a man who actually had to. He worked. He he was not a farmer that we are taught, but we believe he was a carpenter. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, why was that his custom? How did he know that a rabbi, a teacher, could stand up in the synagogue and teach? How did he know that? Because he'd been trained to go into the synagogue. And a synagogue is not the temple. Remember this, if you're new to the Bible, the synagogue was just a meeting place. So if we were Jewish today in the Old Testament, we'd gather like this. It'd be a much smaller gathering. Maybe this piece of the pie would gather in a small building, and that would be our synagogue. If we went to Odell Weeks, the Virginia Acre Park, and met there in the gymnasium, that would be the synagogue. And the synagogue was just a meeting place. And different synagogues were all over the place. And they would meet for teaching, for regular reading of the law and then edification uh, from the word. So here he is. He, he knew as his custom was. And his custom, I'm telling you, I believe, obviously because he is God, but also his daddy, Joseph, taught him, hey, this is what you do when you go to meet with God. This is when you go and meet with God's people. They read God's word. They listen to God's speaker, and then they respond in some kind of way. They repent of their sins. They do different things. So he knew the custom, if you will, of what it was like to go to the synagogue. Verse 17, he was, he handed, the, he was handed the book, the prophet Isaiah, and he had opened the book. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you want to look that up, that's actually Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Because why? He's filled with what? He's speaking on behalf of God, because he is God, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He has just spoken the word of God that was inspired, written by the Holy Spirit of God. So what's happening, there's a movement of God as he speaks right here in the very presence of these people. And this is what he's about to say. The people are so, watch, what they, watch their first response. I could see some of the older ladies when I was younger in church just clapping their hands like, going, oh goodness, that's so precious. Y'all, ever, y'all know what I'm talking about when grandmas do that, right? Watch this. They'll do this. Watch this expression. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not, what does your Bible say, Joseph's son? How is he speaking these things? They're, they're, these are marvelous words. They're, they're shocked at what's coming out of his mouth. And now they're even more shocked that he's saying that he is fulfilling the very prophecy of Isaiah. I am the prophet. Uh, the prophet was talking about me. And the people were like, they're still overwhelmed by the Spirit moving. But watch what happens next. This, church, this is for us today on Jesus' celebration of his birthday. This is for us today if we're very religious people, but we don't know Jesus Christ. We talked last night at Christmas Eve service how many people knew about Jesus. King Herod knew about Jesus. The prophets knew about Jesus. The scribes knew about Jesus. They even told the Magi where to go find Jesus. He's over and he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They didn't go themselves. The sages and the ones who knew the word of God they sent the Magi, men from another country, men that would typically be unbelieving Gentiles, they sent them 
and said, go find the king of the Jews and let us know. We'll worship him too. The king said. All these people knew about Jesus, heard about Jesus, knew the facts about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. You know what I'm saying this morning? They didn't have a personal relationship with him. Watch the people of his hometown. They're all enamored by what the Holy Spirit has said through him. They're listening to his words. They're moving forward. Their eyes are fixed on him. He's speaking a word from God because he is God, but he's speaking God's word. They're fixed on him. And watch what he says. He's going to bring out. Jesus always brings both sides of the pancake out, okay? Sometimes in church, we just want to talk about the love of God, the love of God, and the love of God. And we always want to go home feeling that God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. But let me tell you what else the Bible tells you. Jesus is always a loving God, but he's also a loving judge. He's going to judge all of us according to what we do with him, his, our personal Lord and Savior, or just knowledge about the, the Jesus. Watch this. The people in Nazareth had a choice. They're right here at the very moment of belief. And watch what they do. Watch what happens. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many leopards were in the Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, uh, the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard this, what happened? They went from marvelous, marveling, oh, this is the word of God, to they realized in their hearts, what was he saying? He's saying, listen, God had come to a place, God had come upon Elijah, and Elijah, there was no one to be found in all the people who belonged to God. There was no one to believe in God, except these people who don't belong, these outsiders, these poor, if you would, in spirit. They understood that he's saying, listen, I've come back home to Nazareth. I've come home, this is, this is my hometown, and I've come to preach the word of God to you so you might be saved, because his purpose was to save his people from their Sins. That was why he was named Jesus. He was the Savior. And the people understood. They were enamored initially, and now they're angry. Watch what happens. Their emotions change. And by the way, your emotions can change in church at any moment, right? If you're not led by the Spirit of God, if you hear something that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and if you've been saved, you say, Amen, praise the Lord, right? And if you're a sinner and you've never been saved, you go, Who does he think he is judging me? Hypocrite, don't call me. Don't come. I've seen you do this. I heard you do this. Everybody wants to turn. If you're lost this morning, you'll defend yourself in front of Jesus every kind of way you can, right? You'll backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. You'll throw fingers, those hypocrites, those Baptists, those Methodists. You'll sling fingers and you'll talk about everybody in the world except the finger that he's pointed to, the one looking at you in the mirror. Amen? So when you're convicted in heart, this Christmas Day. Listen, know that it's the Holy Spirit that cuts you to the quick, not the pastor's words, not your mama or grandma's words, not your daddy's words, but the Word of God. When God says you must be born again, listen, guess what the Bible means? You must be born again. Look it up for yourself. John chapter 3. Read it this Christmas season for yourself. So when he spoke these things, they understood that he's talking about them. And what do they want to do? Praise him and say, oh, God, have mercy on us. They fell down on their knees and they repented of their sins and said, show us the way to God. Is that what happens? We wish that's what the scripture said, but watch what it says. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, man's wrath. 
And they rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, and they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. What in the world? They have this Savior of the world in their very synagogue teaching them the very Word of God, filled with the very Holy Spirit of God, and yet they want to kill him. They're ultimately some of the people later that will shout, crucify him, crucify him. So we see that they say, this is Joseph's son. They didn't say, this is God the Father's son. They said, this is Joseph's son. They identified him in the human aspect. They did not identify him as the miracle work of the God-man, if you would. Well, I want you to go to your notes, and we're going to go to different passages of Scripture, Luke chapter 1 and 2. I want you to see this as well. Matthew 1, we'll be flipping a little bit this morning. And if you're taking notes, I want you to get this down. Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. Also, Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man, very present. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Forevermore. He's never going to change. So God has come to the earth except that he took on flesh, skin like us. He was fully God and fully man. The people of Nazareth knew Joseph, and they thought they knew his son, Jesus. Did they really know his son, Jesus? They wanted to kill the Savior of the world. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. We know it wasn't his time. They couldn't throw him off the cliff because, remember, if you were with us through the book of John, Jesus had a plan. Jesus set the date that he was going to die. Jesus set the pattern and the way he was going to die. Jesus was in complete control of his death, burial, and resurrection. Isn't it amazing to think about God that we serve? The God who has a plan for our lives. The God who has a plan for his own son, Jesus Christ. It was his plan. And I want you to see this. Go to your notes if you can see this. They were so close but so far away from knowing him. They were right there in his presence, hearing his very voice. We even say, smelling his breath. That's how close they were, and yet they missed him. How about us today? Before we get into the notes, how many times have we heard the Christmas story? We go, well, I thought we were going to go in the days of Caesar, Augustus, and we're going to read the Christmas story over again, make us feel good. We'll walk out going, silent night, and we walk out the door feeling so good about ourselves. i got to tell you, I've told you before, Christmas Day is Judgment Day if you're not saved. Christmas Day is when God put the wrath. He said, I'm coming to bring judgment. He said, I didn't come to this earth to bring peace. Even though we say we sing peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's what the angels said because, hey, there's a time out. Jesus has got 33 years here. He's going to preach the word. He's going to preach the gospel. But as soon as he goes back to the Father, he ascends to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to convict his people of their sins. And when you're convicted of the sins, you get to say, amen, forgive me, Lord, or oh me, get away from me, Lord. And most people want to run the other way. They want to get away from the Lord. They want to sing all the Christmas stuff. That's why we keep changing, we keep adding stuff to Christmas. I told you more, Mexican, Spanish flowers, poisonous flowers we add to Christmas. Christmas lights, Christmas trees. There's always Christmas parades. We want to put all the decorations, bells and whistles on Christmas because we want to camouflage Jesus as best we can because if we're confronted with Jesus, that means we have to recognize him as the Savior of his people. Right? Save his people from their sins. And if you're not saved today, listen, you're not one of his people. And if you're not one of his people, you're not going to heaven. That's the truth found in the Word of God. Jesus in 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one in America, no one in China, no one on, on the continent of Africa, no one in Europe, no one comes to the Father except through me. You must believe that I am, that he is God. Let's continue. One of the characteristics did Joseph model for Jesus Here's what I need you to understand. Jesus was a real boy. 
He was a real infant. He was a real boy. He was a preschooler. He was a preteen. We see those two spots. We see him as a baby. We see him as a preschooler toddling around when the wise men come. And we see him as a preteen at age 12 teaching in the temple. And the teachers were even confounded by his teachings. And then we see him as a man. But let me tell you, he had a model for his life. And we know at least to the age of 12, his model was, his role model was his daddy. Here on earth was Joseph. And men today, especially, I want to throw it down for you today. You might be a married older man. You might be a widower. You might be an uncle. You might be a daddy. You might be a wannabe one day. I want to get married. I want to do these things. But if you're a man of God, listen, there's, a, there's an expectation for you, especially if you're getting married or if you're married. You must lead your family according to the righteousness of God. Joseph had this time with Jesus, and what did he do? This is what I want to show you this morning. Even though Joseph was just a man, he was a righteous young man. He was a, probably a teenager. What does a teenager do with a, his girlfriend, his fiance, when she's pregnant? His teenage girlfriend, fiance, is pregnant. Okay, this has got to change. I love her, but this ain't happening, right? Now we know Joseph was just like us. Guys, y'all look at me very pious. You know what you would think, right? If you found out your girlfriend, your fiance was pregnant, you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. From God? I don't think so, because remember, Mary got it, the message first. Joseph got the message shortly after. So he's thinking as he ponders in Matthew chapter 1, he's thinking, what am I going to do? Because the law says, remember, he's a keeper of the law. You'll see that in your notes. He's a keeper of the law. The law says if she's committed adultery, she's worthy of stoning in the public square. He could easily brought her to the city center and said, she's pregnant and it's not my son. And rocks would fly. Justified rocks because God said so, right? He ponders these things in his heart. Read Matthew chapter 1 for yourself. He ponders, he thinks through this, going, what am I going to do? He's t- I'm sure he was tormented in his spirit. I love her, God. I thought you gave her to me and me to her. And I had these plans and my son was going to be a carpenter and maybe he'd be the Messiah one day because everybody was looking forward to their son would be the Messiah. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They just were hoping. Had all these dreams and plans, Lord, and here we are. She, now she's pregnant. How could she be unfaithful to me? We, were, we loved you and we loved each other. And he had all those questions, but I want you to see, listen, the characteristics of this man I want you to take notes. If you're taking notes, put these down. This is pretty awesome stuff. And God showed me these things. I'm like, I've always missed this about Joseph. Joseph was a humble man who obeyed God and God's law. Well, now he's at a conflict because what does God's law say about his wife-to-be, his betrothed wife? She has to die. She's committed adultery, obviously. She has to. She brought one of the Ten Commandments. She has to die. I don't want to kill her. She's my wife. What a confrontation he had with his spirit in his mind. This is what God's word says. I've always obeyed God's word. And now what am I supposed to do, Lord? I love you and I love her. I think this is the same conflict that Adam had in the garden when Eve sinned and took the fruit. But Lord, I love her because she's woman. She's of me. But I love you too. And he, I think he just struggled with what to do. And he gave in because of his love for the one he could see versus the one he could not see. Well, I want you to see Joseph was a humble man who obeyed God and God's law. This is amazing. The second part, Joseph was teachable. Joseph was teachable. Men, how many of us are, how many ever told you when you were growing up, and ladies, I know you're in this as well, but I'm focused on Joseph today. We talked about Mary last night some. How many of y'all were ever told growing up, I just want to see a show of hands so I know what my audience is like. How many of your mamas, your daddies, anybody in your life told you you were hard-headed? Raise your hand. 
You look around. Just keep them up for a second. I want you to look around. Yeah, me too. So why? Because you were obstinate. You were stubborn. You had a mind of your own. God's made us a certain way. How many of y'all were responsible for tearing up something or burning something or blowing something up as a kid raise, or a teenager? Raise, look, look around. Yeah, shooting something up, all, all the different things we can do. What do we get our hands on? We can destroy. We can fight. We can war. God's made us in a certain way. And Joseph had all these characteristics. And listen, he's got a son now. Watch this. He, he knew there was a stigma in his community as well. Y'all know what happens, right, in our community? We're just hearing it. It's landing on us like bombs now. Children all across America now, especially mostly girls, but are identifying as furries. Their kids are identifying as cats, and they're meowing to their teachers and painting whiskers on their face, wearing tails at their blue jeans, and they're even putting litter boxes in the girls' room so they can use the bathroom in a litter box. How sick and demented has the United States of America become that we would allow that we would not stand up and say, the adults need to be adults, whether you're a Christian or not. Just be reasonable and be decent adults to tell your child no. Well, if I tell him no, if I tell her no, they might hurt themselves. Listen, you're not responsible if they hurt themselves. Amen? We're talking about suicides on the rise, depression's on the rise, anxiety's on the rise. Why? Because we keep coddling our children and telling baby, you can be anything you want to be. If you wear glasses this thick, you will never be a fighter pilot. Let me just go ahead and tell you tell your children. You're never going to be. If you're six foot six, you're not going to be a pilot in the United States Navy. Just it's not going to happen. If you're going to be a listen, you want to be a SEAL, you've got to be around five foot eight, five foot nine, five foot ten. Somewhere in there, there's some bigger guys, but it's harder for them to make it. There's certain things that you can't be in this life and don't tell your son or daughter you can be anything you want to be. Check out the facts, what it takes to be that first. But Joseph, his father, told him, son, you can be a righteous man. You can grow up to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first command that God gave us that we should put him first. Joseph put God first. What do you think Joseph taught Jesus when he was growing up? Because Jesus was learning. Jesus had set aside a big portion of his, if you will, of him being God. He'd set aside that he was learning because the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature with God. And man, we're going to see that in our notes. So Jesus was learning, and he was encompassing and grabbing everything. Now, the Holy Spirit's moving in his life, too, but Joseph is modeling him, son. Every year at the Passover, we take the family. Every Jew goes up to the festival. We have to do it three times a year. There's three different festivals we go to. Passover, we will always go to Passover. Made me laugh when I thought about this because today's Sunday. Today's Christmas. So much stuff's been put on social media, and so many preachers are crying and complaining that today's Christmas and people stayed home and opened their presents instead of coming to church. Joseph said a model son, we will go to the Passover no matter what it takes. And you see, the Bible says they went up annually when it was convenient, when it was not. Joseph was poor. It cost him something to travel. They had to buy food. They had to get transportation. They, were, they had to go and come. And he had, to, he had to earn an extra living. And he had to leave his handcraftingness, whatever he did, if he was a carpenter, he had to leave his business and hopefully sell some stuff, I, I'm sure, along the way. It was, it was not easy for him to be a righteous man in this day. Well, Joseph bore the stigma of the Nazareth community because his wife was pregnant before they were fully married. He married Jesus' mother. How many, how many guys do that today? Many times, I know there's children in here, if a man gets a woman pregnant, what do they do? They want to run. They want to actually go and actually be, let somebody else take care of that. Let the government take care of that. Let, let the mother or father take care of that. A man's got to be a man today in our society. And dad, you've got to teach your men, your young men, to be men of God. 
Don't run from your responsibility. Accept your responsibility. Suck it up and stand up and be a man of God. So many dads today, they're weenies when it comes to living. They shrivel away. They're afraid of, of saying anything. I might offend somebody. I'll lose my job. I can't stand for anything. If you don't stand for Jesus Christ, you'll stand for nothing at all. You can't figure out what's wrong with your family. Look in the mirror. That's what's, And I'm not just talking about the mirror that you fixed your hair in if you have hair this morning. I'm talking about the mirror of the Word of God. This tells us how to raise our young men and our young ladies. This tells us, this is the mirror. The Bible says it's a reflection, and we see ourselves in here. We must stand up this Christmas and say, listen, as of today, like Joshua said, Joshua is the Old Testament version of Jesus. That's the name. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that this Christmas? We're not doing all this crazy stuff that the world is doing. We're not bringing all the world system into our world, into our family. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It might look like crazy and chaos, but we're going to serve the Lord. People might make fun of us just like they would have Joseph. He would have been made fun of this day in Nazareth. And when y'all left, Mary was pregnant when y'all wanted to go do that census. And now you come back, he's back to Nazareth two years later because at least two years have passed. And now he's got this toddler coming along, this little two-plus-year-old toddling along. We have a responsibility, man, like Joseph did. He knew the stigma of marrying a woman who was pregnant. But he had a word from the Lord. Joseph, this is amazing. What should his firstborn son's name be? No, it should be Joseph. Because it was named after him. That's, if it's his boy, you're named after your daddy or the craft that you do. The lineage of, of the name comes from who you are, what you do. He should have been J Joseph. And, and Joseph, here we are, when he's dedicated him, just as the angel of the Lord said, he named him Jesus. Because he was instructed to do that. Remember I told you Joseph was teachable? He heard the angel of the Lord say, this is what's going to happen. He believed it, and guess what he did? When it was time to dedicate Jesus to the Lord, when it was time for his circumcision, he gave him the name Jesus. He did exactly as he was told. All right, watch. He had him circumcised according to the covenant. He kept the Mosaic law. He kept the Abrahamic covenant. Joseph abstained from a physical relationship with Mary until after Jesus was born. But the Bible tells us clearly. Why would the Bible tell us that? Just in case somebody had a, a, an ignorant or a, a, a malicious mindset to say, oh, that might have happened, but this happened. She, Mary was a virgin from the time Jesus was conceived until Jesus was born, she was a virgin. But later on, there's other sons and a daughter, at least, that we know of that came uh, by the relationship of Mary and Joseph, Joseph and Mary. Well, Joseph obeyed the government of his, uh, of his and he paid his taxes. I should have put that in there. He, he paid his taxes. He went to be counted because Caesar has said so. There's going to be a counting of the people. When you count, what's going to happen? You've got to pay your taxes. It was about money. It wasn't about anything else. It was about raising money. Joseph raised Jesus as his son. He registered him as a son with the government as being with, from the lineage of David. He re, he, if you read in the Bible there, I gave you the reference. He, he actually registered himself. He registered Mary and he registers Jesus as a family unit. Isn't that amazing to think about? He's still got to understand that this boy is not his biological, his blood, his flesh and blood. He knows that. But he knows that this boy is something special that he's come from God. That it's supernatural because Mary's heard from a messenger. He's heard from a messenger. And, and we think of them too uh, still living out going, how can this be? What's going to happen? Well, I want you to continue to read and see this in the notes. Joseph dedicated Jesus according to the law of Moses. If you look at the dedication, they were poor. We understand what they gave. They, were, they didn't have a lot of resources, but he did exactly as the law of Moses said. you know why he did that? you know why Joseph, uh, Joseph dedicated Jesus? One, because God said he had to. 
And where are we going to get resources? We don't have a lot of money. Where do we get it from? Can I tell you when you do it God's way, you always get God's results? Every single time. So where did his resources come from that he had need of? This is something special. This is something different. This is not the day in, day out buying bread and buying food. This is actually going to have to go and get a turtle dove. You're going to have to go and get something to sacrifice for your son because he's a firstborn male. He's got, there's got to be something special done for him. Where's he going to get the resources? Can I tell you where he got his resources from? And I wasn't there that day, and the Bible doesn't say. God gave him the resources. God gave him the ability to get the resources because I believe he worked with his hands and he had the resources because he wanted to do it God's way. God, we're right here against the wall. This is impossible. How do we do this? Every time you do it God's way, you're going to get God's results 100% of the time. You know why? Because our God is forever faithful. Amen? Let's continue to look at this. Joseph kept the festival of the Passover annually. Joseph and Mary would take Jesus up to the Passover. You can look and see. The Bible says they kept it annually. Not knowing, or, or, do, or probably do knowing, that one day the Passover lamb is going to be the very son they're taking to the festival. Their son is going to be the very one that's going to be sacrificed. One of these Passovers is going to be him. That's hard to understand, isn't it? Mary, Because Mary's there when Jesus is crucified on the cross. We know that as we read through the book of John, that she's going up for Passover like every year they've come up. And her son this year is the ultimate sacrifice. For the world because his name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Could you imagine knowing that this year is the year they're not going to take the lamb or the other sacrifices. They're going to take my son and they're going to hang him on a cross and they're going to, they're going to crucify him in the most violent way. But even that was part of the plan of God. Well, Joseph raised Jesus to love God the Father and obey him fully. You say, well, how weird is that? Joseph teaching God to honor God. Well, remember, the Son of God was here on earth, growing up as a young man. He had to be taught the ways. He was taught the language. He was taught the customs. He was taught, the, even if you will, the religion of the Old Testament. He was taught the ways of God. Joseph raised Jesus to love God the Father and obey Him fully. Joseph knew he was raising Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. How did he know that? How did Joseph know that he's raising God? The angel told him, the angel of the Lord said, listen, you shall call his name Emmanuel. He was not foolish. Joseph spoke the language better than we do. He didn't sing it. He said it, right? His name shall be called Emmanuel. His name shall be called Jesus because he has saved his people from their sins. His name shall be called God with us. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. These are the titles and names of the Lord Jesus Christ that we say that we serve today. And listen, you can know him. You can know all this data without knowing him. Did you know that? You can hear it without hearing it. You can hear it with your ears, but not hear it with your heart. And listen, this Christmas season, this celebration of Christ's birthday, if anything, hear what God says to you. Listen, when Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus, I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your mother gives birth to you the first time. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Let's continue, if you would. Joseph knew Jesus would save his people from their sins. Joseph was one of those people. Mary was one of those people. Our brothers and friends of the Catholic Church, uh, they talk about the Immaculate Conception, that it continues that Mary was a perpetual virgin. She was not. She had other sons and daughters, according to Scripture. Uh, they'll teach that it's aunts and uncles, but it, the Bible says brothers and sister, even with the mother Mary. So Mary was a very important part uh, of, this, of the birth of Christ. She was the mother of 
of Jesus, but she is not to be deified. Uh, she is to be blessed among women, but she is not to be lifted up to the Godhead. She is not to be prayed to, only the Father. Jesus said, when you pray. Now listen, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is whom? He's God. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You'll never find instruction from Jesus to pray to Mary or any other saint or any other person other than to the Father. And when you pray to the Father, when you pray, you pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why? Because the only way to get access to the Father is through the Son. And even if you mess up your prayers and you say, I don't know exactly what to pray, the Bible says the Holy Spirit interprets and says, this is what she's saying. This is what he's saying. And there's a big yes, amen, and amen in heaven. And Jesus told us very clearly when he walked this earth, you don't have why, church. You don't have why. Because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. He said, A-S-K, even in the English language, it's very beautiful. Ask, seek, knock. Those are the words of Christ. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. You don't have from God because you don't ask of God. We are missing on so many blessings in our life. We ponder things. We worry about things. We stress over things. We, it just builds up in our life, and we just simply need to ask God. I want you to see this, and we'll finish this today. Joseph heard from the angel of the Lord, shepherds, Simeon, Anna, the wise men, teachers from the temple, and Mary concerning his son Jesus. How the temple leaders, those when he made the circumcision on day 8, when he dedicated him on day 40, and then when they left the Passover, they had to go back and find Jesus, and they found Jesus sitting among the teachers at the synagogue. He was among the temple. He was teaching. He was listening and asking questions of the elders. And they were wondering, where did this boy get all this knowledge? That wasn't from Joseph, just for the record. He wasn't espousing his knowledge of how to build wooden things. That came from God Almighty. And I want you to see this. This is a beautiful part of Scripture. This is from the Scriptures. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we want to close on this on Jesus' birthday celebration. Jesus continued to grow and become strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace, which is the favor and spiritual blessing of God, was upon him. He went down to Nazareth with them. This is when he was a child, and he continually, uh, continually submissive and obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus was a humble, meek little boy. He grew up because he's God, but also, where did he get a model from? He had a physical model that he could see. And his physical model was his physical daddy, Joseph. So this Christmas season, listen, I want you to think about Joseph, how he modeled righteousness, how he modeled humility, how he modeled to serve the Lord with all of your heart to do what God says to do, when God says to do it. And that's good for us as daddies, as mamas, as families, as young men, young women. You got trouble in your life, that's not from God. Listen, God doesn't bring confusion in your life. He'll bring hard times sometimes, but listen, he'll make your way through those times because he wants you to lean heavy and heavy on him. Because he listen, he said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, what's he going to do? We talked about this last night. He'll make your paths straight. If you have a need this Christmas season, listen, ask the one who grew up in Nazareth. Ask the one who died on the cross that we might be saved. Ask the one who lives forevermore saying, listen, I'm waiting for you to speak because I want to have a conversation with you. Don't talk to God this Christmas season.
talk with God this Christmas season. Because every time you speak to God, listen, speak with God, He speaks back to you. But the question is, do you listen? Are you waiting for Him to respond to you this Christmas season? So listen, let's celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ today. We talk about going and telling it on the mountain. We sing that song. When we go, what do we have to tell them? What do we have to tell anybody? If we're not living it, why would you even say that you believe it? We've told many people many times, if you're living like the devil, tell everybody you're Muslim. Don't tell them you're a Christian. Don't, 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 bear, don't bring his name into shame. If you're a Christian, live like you're a Christ follower. Be meek. Try to live a holy life because the Bible says, be holy as I'm holy. Try to be righteous because what happens, when I say try to be, it's because in our own self, we can't do it. We're powerless. But through Christ, right, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. In the good times and the great times, it's only through Christ, this one that we're celebrating this Christmas season. Let me ask you this question. Do you know him? Do you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Not facts about him, because y'all could have read these same facts I read off if you looked in the Scriptures. But do you know that you know that you know this Jesus? Do you have a personal love relationship with him? Do you speak with him and he speaks with you? When you sing, do you sing to him or do you like, this is how some of you sing. It's not, it's not, listen, when we come into the praise, the Lord, what do we do? Even if you don't feel like it, because some of us have been sick, right? Some of us are maybe entering sickness. We don't know where, where everybody's at today. It's not how you feel. It's who he is and whose you are. Amen? We should respond today. And Lord, even if you can't sing out loud, sing it in all your heart inside. Let it go, right? But there's an expression that shows on the outside what's on the inside when we live it out for Christ. Let me dare you. Let me challenge you this Christmas season. Do the hard things. Talk about the hard things with your loved ones. Talk about sin. Talk about our Savior. Talk about Jesus. And then not just talk about it. Demonstrate it. Live it out in front of them that they may see your good works and do what? The Bible says, Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's our whole goal this Christmas season. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, we have a tall task in front of us that we um, can't do by ourselves. If it was not for the power of the Holy Spirit within us, guiding us, Lord, we could do nothing. And I pray today if there's someone that came into our room today, that came to our meeting today, someone watching by Facebook or YouTube, I pray, Father, that they would be saved and give their hearts and lives to Jesus to know the joy of Christmas. Not just the presents, not just the trees, not the lights, not the parades, but Lord, know the joy of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If someone here today, Lord, they, they've been trying but failing and they don't know what's wrong, Lord, would you commune with them and draw them to yourself that they may see that they're in need of your leadership? Father, those that are true Christians today that are struggling, don't know which way to go and what to do, I pray, Lord, if they've never been obedient to you through baptism, that they would follow through Christ in believer's baptism. But, Lord, those that are right with you, those who have followed your commands to be baptized, those who are living, Lord, day in and day out as best they know how, Lord, I pray that in their hard times you would just comfort them and give them that extra unction from the Holy Spirit, that extra little bit. They know you're there, but, Lord, that extra just to go above and beyond and to show you them that you're there in a tangible way but also in a very spiritual way to bless them through your word Lord we need you we want to celebrate you and we're thankful for your word today we know that Joseph was your earthly father but Lord we know that God the father is where you came from 
He's your eternal Father. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray today. Thanking you that you're our God. Thanking that Jesus is our God. Thanking the Holy Spirit that he is our God. Today we worship you in spirit and truth. Do what only you can do in our hearts today. Let us respond accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray for sake.